if, if any man will come after me, our Lord said to a crowd that had been following from a distance, perhaps, now they've closed in on him, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You can hang on to it, he went on to say in verse 24 of Luke 9. You can keep your life for yourself, selfishly enjoy yourself, but you're going to render it. You're going to lose it. You can give your life to me. I can do more with it, we say in parentheses, than you can by yourself. And we will enjoy a growth together as our Lord invites us in this two-hold yoke in Matthew 11. Just two, remember? Come learn from me. Get in my yoke. I'm not going to get in yours. Get in mine. Let's learn together. You'll learn that I'm meek and lowly in heart. No threat to you. And you'll find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. Not a bag of monkeys falling off a log easy. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Let's share the burden, he says, by invitation. Church growth, in my humble and always accurate opinion, <laughs> is simply one person becoming more and more like Christ. Maybe it's by initial obedience to him and he adds you to his family. Or maybe it's by continuation of progress. And we've had difficulty, haven't we, defining who is responsible for that progress. We've imagined even to stretch, and don't throw anything at me now, that's why I asked to take the podium away. I asked, is this crowd hostile? Do they get to you? <laughs> you, may have, you may have thought, as I have for a long time, that the Great Commission was given to all of us. But upon proper evaluation of that, all fairness and honesty, handling the Word of God aright, that message that is given to us in 2 Timothy, give diligence. I know the King James says study. We say that, that means to get to Bible class on Wednesday night. Well, it may involve that, but the word has to do with be eager. Give diligence to show yourself approved unto God. A workman, yeah, it's work. Sweat work that does not need to be ashamed. Handling a right, and that's that Greek word, Travis would pronounce it for us probably. It's that Greek word, it's compound. It's orthotomeo. That always sounds like a plant food to me for some reason. Orthotomeo. Ortho, if you've been to an orthodontist lately, and I'm getting my teeth worked on right now, means straight. It's going to straighten out your crooks. The tomeo word there was not just kicked in for boot. Straight cut. Cut it straight. Which means, in essence, we're not worried about being liberal or conservative. We probably tend in one of those directions. And we kind of compliment each other for our tend. But it's to cut it down the middle. 
handle it aright, King James Version. Don't meander. Don't go to this side or to the other. That's Old Testament in its base. Just tell it like it is. And then by all means, live it. That's the living word. If, back to our word, if any man will come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I have, because I suffer from a bad case of alliteration, I put a bunch of D's on that simple sentence, if, decide. It can be larger than that, obviously. I wrote a little bulletin article, I think, this week about if. Life is iffy. There are decisions to be made. The king of Sparta, ancient Greece, got a letter from Alexander the Great's daddy, Philip of Macedon. They named Macedonia Philippi after him. Quite a conqueror in his own right. Scary guy. The king got a letter from the king of the Grecians. In fact, he was ruling the known world at that time. He said, if we conquer your city, we're going to destroy it, burn it down, and take captive all the citizenry. The Spartans are known, you know, for their sparsity of thought. No pun intended there. They just got to the word, whatever they wanted to say. And the king got a response back in a single word. If. Got to happen. And we ain't about to let it. If. Our decision, if you're pivoting on this if, you're all set to come in and conquer us. We're all set to defend to the end. And the decision has been made. Now let's see which end develops the if. If, back to the Bible. Luke 9, 23, if you need a text for this. We cut our teeth on this verse probably. If any man will, that's not a helping verb. We got any English teachers in here? Will come after me. That's not a helper. That word means, as you probably know, what kind of decision are you making? What is your desire? Decide, desire will come after me, that probably is a definition of a disciple. Let him deny himself. Boy, that's the tough part of this to me. Paul would say, I die daily. He would say in Galatians 2.20, one of our children's songs texts, remember that? I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh as Paul, I live by faith of, for a long time I got that preposition kind of contorted, and it can fit, but it's not the faith in the Son of God, it's the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself 
for me. That's a lot of love. It's quite a decision. And Jesus isn't offering to live our life for us. He's saying, now, I would like to live in you. It's not miraculous. It's supernatural. It's above nature for sure. But we need all the help we can get in this effort. And we aren't promoting anything that's unusually Pentecostal. I don't say that demeaningly. We're saying this is the necessary aid that we must have if we're to follow Jesus successfully. And he has promised to help us. Not against our own volition, not against our will ever, but always complementarily. He's going to help us. Not going to overwhelm us as we hear a lot of this language been bombed in the spirit or however you would like to list it. But he is offering to help us. What is he offering to help us to do? Well, you get over to Romans 8, there are other verses. He's offering to help us to put to death the deeds of the body. That's on down into the meat of that chapter. It's a very interesting chapter. His spirit is offering to help us. We're going to not only allude to that in our text, if you have your copy of the New Testament, we're going to be in Colossians 1 tonight. Does that sound okay? That's in the New Testament, I believe, if you're looking for it. The offer there is to help us. He's got to strengthen our inner man, and then we can do with our inner man what we will. He's not going to compel us to do what he tells us to do. You won't ever see Christ even depicted in your New Testament as down on his knees begging people to follow him. It's not only not his style, that's not his character. That's not the way God treats us. He allows us the privilege of making our own decisions. And if we make the right ones, and that righteous word is prominent in your New Testament, if you want to see the way it feeds starting in well, as early as, as Matthew 6, really, where we get at it, it's 5, really, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the humble, those poor in spirit. They're going to inherit the kingdom. And what we're discussing tonight, by, by Travis' invitation, is this idea of the gospel. The word I can't pronounce, it's, uh, I, I studied pre-med in, in college, but it, I was the only guy I know that got the Vines Dictionary of New Testament words and tried to memorize it. I, I'm still working on it. It's, it's tedious. It's, it's worker. It's work for sure. But if you look at this idea of the kingdom, we learned as early as Jewel Miller film strips. Anybody remember those? We don't have a hand raising here. I, I remember long about this time of night because I get up early and I go to sleep early. But it, being in somebody's home for a cottage meeting, remember that? concept and uh, working. In fact, we've got a couple of little machines that turn the thing. And wh when, you would, when you would hear a ding, you would flip. Yeah, you got it. So you could, you could just coast through that. You could be, you know, as worn out as you could be. And you're there and, and you're showing this to a, an interested person and you hear the ding and you, you know, you go like this. But when it dings, and you've paid attention, and you're following the script, the script that God writes, early Genesis for our uh, text, we had a Spanish minister in Texas. 
I saw a text in here. That, who's got the Texas shirt? No, oh, it was a big T on there. Was that? Oh, 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 oh. That's when things start flying at you. When you start thinking about that, and I'm trying to, you have to come to grips with the reality that life is challenging. Paul is writing now, as we cut to the chase, he's, he's writing to a group of early Christians and young Christians. Church is early. The church is growing. One of the means that we, we use to grow the church is we, we call it evangelism. Two words, E-U, the first part of it, and the the message part of the end of it is the tough one to pronounce. Euangelion. So if it's in English, you, you sing it E-U, and then it's the V, U-V, you know, it's evangelism. And what it has to do with is the good news. You knew that, didn't you? That's what it means, by definition. It's good news. It's happy news. It's a message that causes you to jump up and down. So this is wonderful. Never had any offers like this. The kingdom, as Jewel taught me when I was turning the dinger, said uh, the kingdom is composed of a ruler. Now, he didn't put these rules. These are my alliterative errors, probably. You have to have a king, obviously. You have to have a ruler. You have to have a, a realm, a rule, if you will. And you have to have some ruled, E-D, R-U-L-E-D, that's the, the citizenry, if citizenry, and you have to have some rules. You say, that's brilliant. I thought that was really cool, but I tell you what's tough is when you get to the rules. Oh, I rejoice. I like this idea of being reigned over by God Almighty who made the universe. And he's offered to help me. I like that a lot. I like the idea of being a part of his family. You want to look at all the other allegories that are given to us in the New Testament about the flock and the building and the body and all of that. I'm delighted to be a part of that. It's just wonderful. But when it comes to how all of that happens to please him, which is one of the qualities of walking in the light, which is essential to this whole message. When it comes to that, I pause a little bit. Do you? I don't know if I want to count on this much. Are you asking me to give myself to you? No, just, just, just deny yourself some things. No, that's not what the message says, is it? The message that's ringing out is Joel let us. The message, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and you know it, and I'll give you rest. Not lay me down to sleep rest. I will relax you. I'll take a lot of your burden and weight upon me. And we can do business together. We can plow as it were. As we walk through this life together. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Would you risk yourself that far? To say... If any man, that's me, wills, desires, no high pressure here, wants to, that's what that word means, 
wants to come after me, disciple, desire, decide, let him deny himself. That word's easy, and I love that one. Deny yourself. Deny yourself what? Deny yourself some things? Well, I'm going to quit this and start that. And No, it will involve that. But you're denying yourself. It's no longer I that live. Christ lives in me. Now, the tendency is to revive the old self. So that essentially probably won't get that far in the book of, of Colossians. But there's, there's a lot of testing of the pudding. I, I made that up today. I, I, I feel, uh, the proof of the pudding. I'm going to spell it a little differently. I hope it won't get in your way. The proof of the pudding, P-U-T-T-I-N. There's some things now that we have to put off. And there's some things we have to put on. And there's some things that escaped, really, baptism, where all of our sins were remitted. But you can imagine those Pentecostals that got up Monday morning following the first day of the week when they became Christian, weren't called that until uh, sometime later, when they began to really show the, the behavior of Christ more, I believe, over in Antioch in, in Acts 11. But when you... When you think about that, just think of all the things they had to change. You know, Peter, with no uncertain terms, said, you crucified the Lord of glory. You're guilty. You're murderers. And they were struck by that accusation because they knew it was true. They said, men, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, change your mind. Got to be a different way of living that originates in your mind. Behavior comes from your mind. That's kind of my major in college, biology, psychology, uh, so, some other ologies. I think <laughs> I, so, something has to do with what, where your joints ache or something. Anyway. But when you see that, you say, he wants all of me. And if he can get my mind, he's not going to rob me. If he can get my mind and me to accede, that's not a really good word, to allow him the access to me and my mind. Isn't that the tough part of what the scribe asked him, the, the, the lawyer who said, uh, uh, Master, he wouldn't call him Lord at that time, wouldn't have dared why do you call me Lord? He will say in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me the Kurios and you don't do what I say? Doesn't make sense. That's what we're studying in Pigeon Forge now for a little while. Uh, my brothers and sisters bid you hello. Uh, our, our dear brother, Al, that many of you probably know, uh, passed away a couple of months ago. And uh, so I'm there trying to take up a little bit of the slack. They say, are, are, you, are you taking Al's place? Are you kidding? He goes on taking his place. I have to take my little place. Because God wants to live in each one of us. Not by the group. He wants to live in each one of us. If any one man will come after me. He's not going to dominate my thinking. 
but he's going to train me. And that's where this invitation Travis has offered me. That's where it fits in. The good news, the gospel, the evangel, to become an evangelist, there are just a couple of them listed in your New Testament. We have a man by the name of Philip. Remember, we met him in Acts 8, and then we get him again in, what is it, Acts 21. Had some daughters that spoke forth, that prophesied. But he went down to Samaria. He was a bold fellow. He's the same guy that immersed the eunuch in Acts 8. Took a lot of courage to go run up to this chariot that's going down toward Gaza. And you look at the tag, it says uh, E1. Maybe two. This is the treasury. This guy's in charge of the treasury. We're all concerned about that in, in our treasury in America right now. I was just over across the street at the mall, and I, I couldn't afford to walk in there. But he's the guy that the angel said, go, go join yourself to this chariot. This very important treasurer from Ethiopia under Queen Candace. Been up to Jerusalem to worship, best way he knew how. He's obviously a proselyte of the Jewish religion. And this Philip fellow says, uh, do you understand what you're reading? As he's invited to come up into the chariot. He says, how can I, this very humble man? How can I except some man should guide me? That's humility, isn't it? I don't know it all. I'd sure like to know. Would you help me? So Philip preaches unto him Jesus. The text is not enlarged there. What does it mean to teach Jesus, preach Jesus? Well, it essentially means to preach the death, burial, and resurrection and new life walking of Jesus. That'll be a whole bunch of this book of Colossians that we won't get to about how to imitate this Christ. Put on his image, his icon. We use that word in the computer world today, don't we? Icon. Boy, I'm really versed in computer. I'm versed like my dear friend over <laughs> I just thought of Bob in Hawaii who was, he was in charge of all the Adventists in the Pacific Basin. Seventh-day Adventists. They don't eat meat. He loved me enough. We would play golf together out at a course that we've, None of us was making any money. So one of our perks was to get to be allowed to, to play golf where they play the Hawaiian Open. You have any golfers in here? You may have been out to wildlife. I thought that was the best perk I had when I was preaching over there. I mean, you, you could never afford even to park in their lot. They said on Mondays, we're going to let all the policemen and the firemen and the preacher. I don't know how the coordination that is. <laughs> I play free at this course. So there was a tremendous little snack bar there, and I don't want to take up too much time but to make this point. Tremendous snack bar. I mean, this is places where Sammy Davis Jr., or Frank Sinatra, these boys would play golf at this course. I, I had a friend personally that was the, the, the highest paid disc jockey in the world at that time. I, I never did understand why he liked me. But I would see him out there on Monday, the only day I could go, and he called me Rev. And uh, he'd say, Rev, let, let's, let's play some golf. Anyway, uh, my friend Bob, as we would pass this little snack bar, he would say, Dan, you know I don't eat those things. Hot dogs were ideal. 
but I'll buy you one. And if I dared ever to take him up on that, and sometimes I would, you know, hint at it, well, you know, good idea. He would say, you Church of Christers are the most reversed in the Scripture people I know. You've, you ever heard well-versed in the Scriptures? Okay. I would invite him to come over to our building in Honolulu, and it was glassed in, a place where we, it was hard to worship because so much evidence of the Lord all around you. I used to lament that. I say, that's good. It's very good. We can worship God. He made all of this. But it was hard to stay focused, and I would invite these boys, the friends that are Pentecostal preachers, Nazarene preacher. We may have some of you in this audience tonight. Come over to our building and uh, see how we do this. And I'd take them up into the pulpit. Who, who stole your pulpit, Travis? Did they take these at the hog shop here in Maryville? Okay. So come up and see this. So I would go take them up there, and it was a very simple little structure. And the first thing they would notice is, where are the buttons? I said, what do you mean buttons? They said, well, I have a button to the choir director. I have a button to the man in charge of attendance. I have a button to this and all that. I said, we don't have any buttons. So he began to worry even more about it. well-reversed in the scriptures? I don't want to plague you with this, but uh, would you show me the scripture that is overbearing in how we worship? This is just one of these things that we learn from our evangelism. It is all rooted in the seed, S-E-E-D, of the Word of God. We learn how to plant it. We, we learn how to select soil. And you know, God is not responsible for my soil. He is absolutely responsible for the seed. What do we do? We try to manipulate the seed. Change it in our direction. We don't cut a straight line through it. No, sir, it's too conscience striking. My friends all like this, and my favorite teacher does this. Jesus says now, you understand the deal? If you want to come after me, you've got to say no to you. Take up your cross. You want to alliterate that D there? Obviously. The only representation a cross has in your New Testament is to die. It's what you die on. The Romans were expert at it. This was a tremendously painful death. Take up your cross and die every day and come follow me, not yourself. Come follow me. What about the seed in your heart? I haven't read that text yet. I'm sorry, Polly usually is holding up the Bible by now saying, when are you going to read the Bible? I'd like to read this. This is from the New American Standard, but I won't read the whole chapter of Colossians 1. This is all important. It's a really insignificant little town, not altogether different from Merville, where we're here tonight. I, we were in Key West for a while, for, for about five years. Florida, 
and every other car I saw down there had a Blunt County tag on it. You've been down there? So all the car, all the car thieves in Blunt County are all down here? I don't know, there must have been some checkout place in the Miami airport or something where you could go. That's just an aside. Now, I'm not trying to rattle any car thief in this audience. Okay. Let's read here. We're cutting it to the chase. We're in the immediate race, if you're an English teacher. We're cut right in the middle of things here. It says, for, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. He's talking about, I've heard of your faith and your love and your hope. Sounds like 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't it? Sounds like 1 Thessalonians 1. These are primary items of interest to our Lord. Faith, your confidence, your hope, which is confidence in the future, and your love, which is an active agapao word that says, now we're not talking about Hollywood love here, puppy love, or anything. We're talking about the love that only I can demonstrate to you. You learned to love from me. You love because I first loved you. So Paul is remembering this to these people. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. We have to stop long enough there now to identify that knowledge. That's a compound word again. It's epignosis. The Gnostics, you've heard of the Gnostics. Travis could tell you this better than I can. It's not what you know. It's what you know that has been refined. If it's some usage maybe you're making of the alphabet, A-B-C, it's like being able to spell C-A-B out of it. That's brilliant, wasn't it? It's, it's refined. It, it's useful knowledge. It'll occur again. It's especially prominent in Second Peter 1, but we can't get there. Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. How does God think? What does he desire? In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that understanding word is a synthesis word in our language today, it starts with S-Y-N in the Greek. It has to do with bringing all your thoughts together, synthesized. You're not living on little tidbits of scripture. You may post your favorites up on your refrigerator wall, on your mirror in your cars. I, I like that. It's now accumulating, gathering all of this spiritual information. And it's different understanding than just understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. We prayed for that, I think, as we began. So that you will walk to a manner, in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. Wish we had time to go to see the, the way light is depicted in your New Testament. If you're in the book of Ephesians, you might want to just allude to that next time you're there and just think about it a little bit. In fact, the King James says the fruit of the Spirit, it's really the fruit of the foss, of the light. It's manifested in, in all that is true and right and good. And then there's a fourth one there that I kind of leave contingent. It says trying to find what is pleasing to the Lord. You say, does that go with that? I, I think it does. I think what's good and right and true is what really pleases the Lord. 
and he wants to emphasize it. Now, the way I come out of that with, I, I shine this light, the spiritual light through a spectrum. You got six, six graders at your house with that little piece of triangular glass up there, and you shine light through it. And what comes out is Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, blue. Did I get all of them? But what God is saying through Paul in this passage, I believe, is when you shine spiritual light through my prism, you come out with what is good and what is right and what is true. I spent all Sunday, last Sunday, Lord's Day, mostly talking about right, what's right. That's the symbol of God's kingdom. This is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. The scepter of this kingdom. You say, a scepter, you, you remember uh, the book of Esther? I saw a lady this week. She said, I'm teaching the book of Esther to, at a, some church there in, in Pigeon Forge. And I said, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, said, I used to teach that. I used to teach that to Joel. Joel, I'm sure he's forgotten that and all the other stuff. That Malcolm. You remember any of this, Joel? Anyway, we studied the book of Esther. The girls all loved to study the book of Esther. Especially when it came to Ehasuerus, fine, how's your ears? You know, they said, uh, guy, guy's gone. And, and the two guys that, that revealed a plot against the king, that, and that it, they recorded it, and this, this gave rise to the plot, really. And their names were uh, Big Thana and Teresh. We called them Big Thang and Trash. I mean, they were against the king. All right. I used your valuable time for that silly little aside. But here's what's going on now. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The word worthy means of equal value. Of course, we could never equate the Lord. But where does the Lord walk? Oh, we hear this all the time at funerals. How many times have I said, uh, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That represents him. That's the only place God walks is in righteous paths. He won't veer, divert. He's in that path. And this is pleasing to him. I, I know we're jamming too much stuff together. A manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Every one of them. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. I'm finally trying to get around to what Travis asked me to talk about. What about this evangelism? Every day. Well, we can more than purport or propose to you that the Great Commission was given to the apostles. Now, don't get mad at me. I know we put that on our letterhead. I've been in the mission field where we talked about that all the time. The Great Commission, this is what the church is supposed to do. No, I'm afraid that, that was given just to the apostles. If you're in Luke, or, well, Luke 24, if you're in, in Mark 16, you'll know that some signs followed those people that did that kind of evangelism. They were miraculous signs. And I still meet people who, who contend with me. They say, you're, you're just reversed in the scripture. No, I, I, let, let's, it's so plain here. 
These signs shall follow them that believe, and it, it's, it's miraculous things. Say, and, and we believe they're all available to all of us now, no? And they don't need to be. I hear this on, on occasion. Well, if, if we could work miracles today, we could change the world in five minutes. Well, they didn't back when they were working miracles. You still got to change your heart. My favorite illustration, too many illustrations, is from Theodore Roosevelt, who said, an ignorant bad man may steal from the freight cars on a railroad. If you educate that man without changing his heart, all you're doing is making it possible for him to steal the whole railroad. So Polly and I used to ride by this man's house almost every day in Key West, Florida. Named John Dewey, remember him? He set up the Dewey Decimal System in libraries and all. He was a great educator. And I'm not saying this is biblical, but it's close. He said, education does not mean teaching a man what he does not know. It certainly involves that. But it's teaching him to behave in the way he does not behave. That's what God is trying to get us to change to. Change your mind, change your everything about you. Change it over to me. Live for me. Let's finish it. So, uh, Travis, at least I'll read the text. Thank you, buddy. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that you would ask an old country preacher to come down here and uh, talk at you. And thank you for listening. Oops. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He's going to live in you. And everybody around you says you claim that he does. I hope you claim that. He gives his spirit to all that obey him. Acts 5.32 Pleasing him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. He's helping us. Now look at this, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. A couple of power words used in that little sentence. It's unmistakable. God wants to strengthen me, strengthen the inner man, but he won't make me do evangelism. He said, I'll, I'll equip you to do this, but it's your decision if you want to come follow me. So we get back to that famous verse. Let's, let's finish the reading. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously, it's an adverb, those are the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God is producing in us. And we can use them or misuse them. You can have faith that God gives you as a gift. Romans 3, uh, Romans 12, verse 3. According to your measure of faith, you can use that faith to trust in the devil. A lot of people do. Giving thanks to the Father. I backed up a little bit yesterday, I think, looked at the times thanksgiving is mentioned here. Sometimes it is in the word of grace. Eucharistia, that's what some of our religious friends call it. This is the way we return grace. You've used that maybe phrase it. Thanksgiving time. Would you return thanks? If you're in Colossians 3, we won't get there. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17. Thanks 
grace. We're returning to God, that which he's given to us. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to, stay, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I'm running over a little bit here. But let me take you to one verse, maybe two. Give me two. Here come them flying objects. I won't talk long. I just seem like it. Yeah, he talks long. This is one of our famous scriptures. All scripture is inspired by God. It's in breathe. And it's profitable. It's useful. This is the way he's going to be useful to us. It's useful for doctrine. Tell us, inform us. It's useful for reproof. He's going to inform and reinform. That reproof means to convince. Look at the prophets if you want to get some information about that. He's going to, he's going to correct us. The same word, this seed that has been planted in our hearts, depending on our soil, only the good and honest soil will produce the crop that God needs. The rocky and the wayside and the thorny won't produce, won't bring any fruit to maturity. But if your soil is good and honest and you have control over your soil, in evangelism, in the way you raise your children, the way you conduct your business, the way you operate as a citizen, all of these things, it's no longer I that live, Christ. These are all form words. If we had a blackboard here and Travis offered to give me one, I'd write all over the thing, Travis. Let me, let me give you these four or five form words and I'll stop, I promise. It's useful for doctrine. That's to inform. I'm basing this in Romans 7. That form of doctrine which was delivered you. What should we say? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Oh, you know, there's so many of us that were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, and, and, and we've been raised from that dead to walk in newness of life. And this is that part of 1 Corinthians 15 that we get, we stop too quickly. The gospel, this gospel message is, is not just the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It certainly is that. That's verse 1 through 3. But you read on down about verse 7 or 8. It's also the new life. That's clear in Romans 6, 4. You arise to walk in newness of life. You didn't just get dunked. And now you're sin free. Now you're going to live a life. That's the good life. Everything God asks us to do is for our good. It informs us, it reforms us, transforms us, teaches us how to construct our life in righteousness, training in righteousness. And then the last form word there, and I promise I'll sit down. The last form there is in verse 17. That you may be equipped for every good work. That's performance, you see. That's what it's all about. This is where we glorify the Lord. This is where the world around us is drawn to the Lord. If you're in Acts 2, 
about 3,000, I always need to say about, there was an estimate there, 3,000 responded to being immersed. That took care of their sins through the blood of Jesus. But you know, there probably probably were 100,000 or more in that city at that time. It was a festival time. You get down to verse 47, is it? And the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved in the meantime between their being baptized and receiving the gift of the Spirit to 47, they were eating together. They were not saying anything I have is my own and, it, and they were sharing it with each other. Is that the final buzzard? What it says in essence. They had equipped themselves and anybody else that would listen to live the good life. And that's what the good message is, the good news. I'm dying to myself. Baptism is, is, is a representation of that burial. But you don't just stay buried, you resurrect. And Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the grave. We remember his little animal paddock over in Bethlehem. God wants us to remember I raised him from the dead powerfully and I begot him that day. And that's what it's all about. You've been sweet to listen. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for the privilege of living for you and with you. We pray that we won't try to dominate it take things back that we presented to you as living sacrifices. We'll revert to things that we should have died to, put to death, and then we'll, we'll revert to things we're supposed to have put off, the putting. And we'll f- fail to add the things that we should put on. Help us, we pray to glorify you in our behavior. And then the world around us will see this everyday message from you living in us. And if they're paying attention and really desirous of following you, they will be one to you through us your behavior in us as we have arisen to walk in newness of life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The invitation... Sorry, buddy. I I, I can if you... My motor mouth's still running. Do we, we need to wait for some people to come in? Is this all that we're going to have? Okay. Well, it becomes obvious it's almost anticlimactic, isn't it, to give an invitation to come follow Christ after learning who he is and what he offers us, how he wants to work with us, get us out of ourselves where the misery is, And he offers to do that. But it is costly. 
It demands a sacrifice in return to the one he gave, not that we're working our way to heaven. But Paul says, I appeal to you, the same fellow that wrote by God's Spirit, the book of Colossians. I appeal to you as an equal, is what that says in Romans 12, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, that's that well-pleasing word, unto God, which is your reasonable, come, come to Pigeon Forge sometime with us and we'll, we'll reason together from, from Isaiah 1.18. That's what we're talking about in the, the way Paul did evangelism. He, he went into a town and he would reason with them. Check that word out. Might appear in the form of argue with them. It, it really has to do with arguing with yourself. Now, do you like to hear an intelligent man argue? Listen to yourself, you know. What, why? That's your service to God. It's your logic cost, reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. We just looked at a couple of those words, didn't we? How? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to get the center. It dictates the way you behave. You've got to get it changed. And then you can put to the test. You can prove what is that good, acceptable, well-pleasing, and complete will of God. I say to every man among you, verse 3, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, you take that confidence ability that God has given you and you put your confidence in Him, not yourself. And He blesses and blesses again. And then you can go with Him all the way to what I meant to talk about, but I won't. As one fellow said to Jesus in Luke 9, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, I don't have where to go. He said in so many words, if you follow me, you're going to stop nowhere short of heaven. Don't have a place to lay my head. We're not down here to relax. But it'll be enjoyable. Come follow me. I'm tempted to go into that. <laughs> I better not. Polly's about to throw something at me, Travis. <clears throat> if you... If that appeals to you in any way, to get out of yourself and into Christ, Christ to get into you by your permission, not to violate you in any way, violate your decision-making, violate your desires. He, he wants you to desire that. If any man desires to come after me, pick up your cross. Follow me. You might want to do that right now as we stand to sing.